nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up, y'all? I'm back. It's your girl, Lady Miz, and you are tuned in to From the Ground Up Productions. And today we are interviewing another legend, y'all. Another legend. We have Buddy from Intro. So keep us live. Peace. Welcome to the podcast from Doug Ground Up Productions with hosts Lady Miz and Ray. This, 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 this is a universal platform and there is nothing off limits. We talk about it all and we keep it real. This is a no judgment zone. So come, so as, you come as you are. If you are a professional, entertainer, author, comedian, entrepreneur, or just someone who wants to get something off their chest, well, let your voice be heard here on From the Ground Up Productions. Sponsorship and other opportunities are available from The Ground Up Productions. Turning nothing into something. There's only one way to go from here. here. And now, here are your hosts, Lady Miz and Ray. Yeah, yeah, what's good, people? It's your girl, Lady Miz, and my co-host, Ray. You are tuned in to From the Ground Up Productions, and it is only one way to go from here, y'all. Listen, today, again, I'm always super excited because we always got dope people on the show. But today we are interviewing another legend, another dope legend by the name of Buddy, and he's from the group intro. So let's bring Buddy on real quick, y'all. What's good, Buddy? I'd like to welcome you to the show. Lady Miz and Ray from the ground up. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. How y'all doing today? We are doing great. We are doing great. We are very excited to have you here on the show today. It's Listen, it's a blessing to always have R&B legends on the show. So we got a lot to chop it up with you about. My, my amazingly busy shirt. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Yo, I, I'm just looking forward to this interview. Um, you know, we got a chance to chop it up for, for a quick second beforehand. So, yeah, you know, I know it's gonna be fun. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I can tell it is because you are you was turning up before the show. It was a party before <laughs> the show. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so why don't you tell the people where you're from for those who don't know? All right, um Buddy White. I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Okay, Brooklyn stand up. <laughs> I think I'm one of the only two R and B artists from Brooklyn, New York. It's myself along with um Maxwell, he's from, we actually from the same neighborhood in East New York. Okay. Um, yeah, I live in Long Island now, moved into the suburbs, you know, but um, yeah, I'm from New York. I'm a New York cat. I've lived all over the world. I've lived in Germany. I've lived in North Carolina. Okay. I've lived in Georgia, Virginia, but uh, most of the time of my life, I've lived right here where, um, where I was born and raised. All right. That's what's up. Okay, so listen, most people already know who you are because you are a legend in the game and you are part of a group that has several hits, the, the group intro. So I want to first start with talking about the history and then bringing us up to the present. Okay? That's what's up. All right, so first let me ask you, um, and, and then we'll bring people up to speed. Let's talk about your first hit record that you had with intro. What was the name of that and when did that come out? Uh, my first hit record, 
our first, I'm going to call our first hit record our first single. The first single that we released was a record called Love Thing. It was a sample on that record by Edie Brokeem in the New Bohemians. Um, prior to us using the sample, Brand Nubians used it as a single. No, they used it as a record called Slow Down, but they never released it as a single. So we took the sample and we released it as a single with no doubt about it. We got a good thing going on. No doubt about it. We got a love thing. And that was our first single. The first That's single, our first video as intro. Yep. Okay. So let's take a little clip of that joint right here and let the people hear that. All right. joint that came out as the single um you know it was funny that you said that because um again when you hear you hear those two joints you think of brand nubians too so it's like you know you you hear both sounds but they both were so dope and on different levels you know what i'm saying it was both so dope when that love thing hits on the radio and that slow down hits on the radio you know, I love my brothers, but that love thing hits a little different because Eddie F took it into the studio and added that Untouchables bottom on it. So I knew the difference when Slow Down came on the radio and when Love Thing came on the radio, I just knew the difference because of that bang. The boom. You already know. You know what time it is. That Love Thing is something different, baby. <laughs> what was it like first hearing your song on the radio? Oh, it was amazing. Like we had, a, we did a record prior to our first single coming on the radio with Shinehead um, called Try My Love. If you try my love, try my love. And I was hearing that on the radio for, for about three to four weeks before Love Thing came out. So I was like, to me, that was our song on the radio. That was our first song on the radio. But to actually hear Love Thing on the radio, and the first time I heard it, I was at home. I was like just waking up and a car drove past the house playing it. And I was wow. like, oh, do they have the tape or whatever? And I turned on the radio and it was on the radio for the first time. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, um, we have worked so hard behind the scenes as producers and songwriters. Mm -hmm. So to actually hear an intro song on the radio, I was like, oh, that's a, it was really a, really a good feeling. That's you know, I didn't care they played it two times after that, three times after that. I never knew if they was gonna ever play it again. But the first time I heard it, it was just amazing. Yeah. I feel that, you know, it's funny you say that because, you know, back in the day, how we had to stand right by the radio waiting for that song to come on so we could hit that record button, making sure your take deck was ready so you don't miss it, you know what I'm saying? And hope the DJ didn't talk through it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So listen, um, so not only was Love Thing a hit, you guys also had another hit called Let Me Be The One, which is one of my other favorite joints that y'all had. So right. when that came out, well, actually, let's play a quick, a quick little clip of that. Okay. And then we gonna come back. joint like when y'all was creating that um and that was on the same album correct as um yeah let me be the one was the second single off of that off for of that first album that first intro album and let me be the one hit like funk master flex he wouldn't play love thing but he played funk master flex he's a dj in new york city 
Absolutely. he started playing Let Me Be The One. He just blasted it all on a top radio station, the top hip hop station in New York. Now, mind you, the word is Mariah Carey heard Let Me Be The One and she hit up on Touchables and was like, yo, I want a record like Let Me Be The One. So the producers went in and they made the record Dream Lover, which is very similar to Let Me Be The One. Wow. Let Me Be The One would not have been an intro song if Mary J. Blige had one more slot on her album. What? Really? We gave, we gave her four records. We gave her we gave her Reminisce. Uh-huh. Love Without a Limit. Oh, Love Without a Limit too. I didn't know that. Love Without I, a Limit. I know. Mm-hmm. My Love and Let Me Be the One. Puffy called back and said, yo, we only got three, we only got three slots players. We don't got four for y'all. We got three. So she took Reminisce, My Love, and Love No Limit. But if she had four slots, then Let Me Be The One would have been a record on the 411 album. So that's a little wow. behind the scenes on the 411, on the, um, Let Me Be The One record. Yep. That is dope. Wow. wow. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. Because I was going to ask you, because you guys wrote for, um, you wrote for Mary J and Mariah Carey, correct? Well, nah, Mary J. Blige. Now we never, we never, we never wrote for Mariah. The producers produced for Mar the producers in our camp produced for Mariah Carey, but we never okay. put the pen on it because she she had her own writers, which was amazing. She had her own amazing writers. Shout out to Mariah Carey, Mary Ann Tatum, Lorenz, Trey Lorenz, the whole Mariah Carey camp. Yep. Okay, all right, okay, that's what's up. So you wrote a lot of hits for MJ, which is dope. Um, what was it like? Uh, how, how did that, like, like, what was it like doing that? Was y'all excited? Was y'all already uh, in cahoots with her where y'all had a relationship? Or was that the first time y'all started building with, with, with MJ? We saw with Untouchables Records and uh, we went over to Eddie's house. We you know we would go over there, go into the studio. He sent us off to the studio to work with certain artists. I walked into Eddie's house one day and there was this girl sitting on the couch and she was sitting on the couch crying. She's like, niggas ain't shit, man. Niggas ain't shit. And I was like, yo, what's going on, shorty? What's going on? She's like, man, niggas ain't shit. So I sat down, I talked to her for a while. It's like, yeah, what's going on? And we had like a little 15, 20 minute conversation. She never even told me that we was in the studio to go and work with her. And I was sitting down talking to Mary. So finally, we get up, she gets up, we go downstairs in the studio and, and we start working on records. And we became good friends. She called my house, I call her. I get home, my mom be like, oh, Mary called. And it's not Mary J. Blige at this time. It's just Mary. Just Mary, you know huh? <laughs> just Mary. Nobody <laughs> knew her. Y'all didn't know who she was. My mother didn't know who she was. I barely knew who she was. But she was, I can tell you from that day to today, no matter what amount of fame and whatever she's gotten, all the accolades or whatever, mm -hmm. she's still the same person. And that's why that's people cool. love her because she always stayed that same person. Authentic. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I like that. And you know what? Artists, period, that's like that. I think they get way more respect because people, you know, people remember. You see how you remember that? You know what I mean? People never forget that. You know, it's, it's so important. It's kind of rare, too, in the music industry where you, you, you hear a lot of people say that there's somebody that's that been that authentic, you know, and it's still the same no oh. matter what. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, they get, they get caught up. A lot of artists get caught up because I have this conversation with people because sometimes they tell me, not you know, self-credit is no credit, but I get it, I hear this a lot of times. Like, yo, buddy, man, you don't know who you are. You, you be going here, you go there, you do this and that. I'm like, it's not about being an artist. It's not about being famous, it's about being a musician. I'm a musician 
and my musicianship, wherever it takes me to, it takes me there and I'm happy with that. It's all about being a musician and then all of the accolades and stuff gotta follow, but you can't follow it. You gotta remain a musician in order to stay grounded. That's what I'm talking about. Good good jewels you dropping, brother. That's what I'm talking about. And people, listen up for y'all bougie ones out there. Don't be acting funny, okay? <laughs> oh, man. So let's talk about another, because, again, I keep saying another one and another one, another hit, because y'all have several of them. This one is just as dope as all the rest, but this one is on a whole nother level because y'all actually got the chance to work with and rewrite the song Ribbon in the Sky by Stevie Wonder. Tell us what that was like. Oh, that was amazing. Shout out to Tim Patterson. Um, he came to us, he was our, um, like our artist development guy. Not only was he working with us, he was working with Jodeci and he was also working with the Lost Boys. He brought the Lost Boys to Uptown Records. Tim Dog, Tim Dog, his name, but his name is Tim Patterson, but they call him Tim Dog. And he was going out back, yo, you gotta do Ribbon in the Sky. You gotta do Ribbon in the Sky. He was like, we're not doing Ribbon in the Sky. We got all these dope records. Why are we gonna do a Stevie Wonder song and kill our career? Why did you think that? Why did you think it would kill your career? <laughs> because Stevie Wonder is the man. Like, we're not doing it. We just told him, we said, we're not doing a we're not doing a, a Stevie Wonder song. And if anybody knows Tim Dog Patterson, he he doesn't take no for an answer. So he he went ahead and booked the sessions and everything. And we showed up and we sung the song and we put it on the album. It was one of the last songs that we recorded. We put it on the album, not knowing if it was gonna kill our album, whatever. And that's how Ribbon in the Sky came about. Wow. So for those who don't know, and you young bucks out there, y'all better know your history. Let's take a quick little peek at the joint Ribbon in the Sky, rewritten by Intro. To show me the special day. Well, ribbons in the sky for all love. All right. So listen, I got a, I got a personal question. Oh, you got something? Yeah, well, okay. the question, how... How did so much to go with that ribbon in the sky? I was about to ask, how did y'all get with Stevie Wonder to even do the video, you know? Yo, it was crazy, right? So Atlantic Records um, scheduled the video shoot for in Los Angeles, California. Like, we're from New York, but we're like, why are we going all the way to LA to shoot this video? So we go out to Los Angeles and we shoot this ribbon in the sky video in the warehouse actors, actresses, everything, amazing budget, blah, 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 cool. So that night, I'm a New York dude. Atlantic, they had us apartments. They, they put us up in Los Angeles too. So we was, I was in New York. When I was in New York, I was living at home with my mother. When I was in Los Angeles, I was living on my own. Nice place, fireplace and all that stuff. Shout out to Atlantic Records. Thank you for the Montrose. But after the video shoot, I was homesick, so I wanted to come home. So I flew home the night after, right after we finished the video shoot, I got on a plane, Kenny and Jeff stayed in New York. I mean, stayed in Los Angeles. Soon as I got home, my mother called me. She's like, my mother said, um, Kenny said, call him at the hotel, it's very important. So I called Kenny at the hotel. He's like, yo, you shouldn't have went home. Tomorrow morning, we're going to meet Stevie Wonder. He sent wow. James Cleveland's son, Andre, to the hotel to meet us and tell us that he wanted to meet us tomorrow at his studio. Mm -hmm. And I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, you should have stayed in Los Angeles, man. 
So I checked my phone. I checked the the flights on the computer, and they had one more flight to Los Angeles that night. I didn't even unpack my bag. I grabbed the bag. I kissed my mother, and I'm like, I'm out. I, I love you. I'll see you later. I got back to Kennedy Airport, and I made the red eye back to Los Angeles. I got there in the morning. As soon as I got to the hotel, I had about 30 minutes at the hotel before they showed up and took us to Stevie Wonder's house. And it was an amazing day. What did it was that an look like? Day. Tell us the inside. We want to be inside Stevie Wonder's house. What did it look like? <laughs> it was Kenny. First of all, it was Kenny's birthday. Uh-huh. So we get to Stevie's house. Before we get to Stevie's house, Kenny, who's a visionary, he calls the record company and tells them, we're going to meet Stevie Wonder tomorrow. Is the, the film crew still in Los Angeles? And they was like, yeah. Can you please have the film crew meet us at Stevie Wonder's house so we can get that part into the video? The Ribbon in the Sky video is totally done now. So they was like, okay, we're going to open up the budget. I don't mind sharing numbers. I think it was like ten dollars to $15,000 for Ooh, the next morning for them to show up and, and set it up. They didn't care. The whole the whole budget for the video was I think about two hundred thousand. So we still have money left over oh, to do it. That, so they sent the people over there, right? Uh-huh. And when Stevie Wonder walks out, we're sitting at the piano already, and that was the very first time we met him. And the film crew had the cameras rolling, and that's how we met Stevie Wonder. That was the very first conversation. None of that stuff was scripted. When he's sitting there talking to Kenny, and it was just what? amazing. And then he just didn't stop here. He just didn't stop things like, let's take it to another level. I'm a, it's your birthday. I'm going to buy you a gift. He bought Kenny a portable dat player. I'm going to order a big ass bird. Oh, I can say that word. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. This is, we, we, we go, we go in. You, word, you. Yeah, yeah, you're good. It's man. all good. Sorry, I, it's I all good. <laughs> no, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> okay. I'm going to order you a big birth, birthday that. cake. <laughs> and um, you got the, you got the, he got the birthday cake over, and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna invite some friends over. He called over Terrence Trent Darby, Johnny Gill, wow. and we did like a big birthday party for Kenny. And then he was like, you know what? We, it ain't over yet. We're gonna record a song. So now we end up, all of us that still end up recording a song that he put on a Curtis Mayfield album called All Men of Brothers, produced by Eric Clapton. So that whole experience of meeting Stevie Wonder had me talking for like days. He's just an amazing dude. He had an air hockey table at his, at his studio that he would get on and play using his sound and great food, you can imagine, you know. So that's that's my experience of meeting Stevie Wonder. Yep. Wow, wow, that's dope. That's dope, man. I mean, a, a lot of things. First of all, the experience sounds dope. Uh, the budget sounds like, oh shit, us indie artists out here struggling. We <laughs> we need record deals. Then we think we try to be indie artists. You need a budget like that, two hundred thousand. You know? Oh no, that was like we doing our our videos was crazy. Atlantic was go, going in on our videos. Like our first, like, oh, I, I just want to talk about it. The budgets on those videos was like movie was like movie budgets. Like I've shot videos since I've left Atlantic Records, uh -huh. and if I had those budgets, most of that money would have been going in my pocket because it wasn't necessary. But realistically, they did hire like film crews. It was like trucks and trailers and big cameras and like movie people out there and stuff. So I know they wasn't just like taking the money and going with it. But they they did spend money on intro. Shout out to Atlantic Records. Not only did they spend money on on our videos, uh -huh. 
Like, I want to say something, right? Because I hear a lot about 90s artists and how um, how unfortunate their situation was and stuff like that. And I get it. And I feel so sorry for y'all. But I cannot go into the bowels without shouting Atlantic Records out. We got retirement. We got retirement benefits. We got medical benefits. Every month, they putting money into retirement, into my retirement account. Like, wow. every month, there's money going into different places from them. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I, it's not like God, thank, shout out to Eddie F. We didn't sign with, you know, bubble from up the block, the drug dealing and stuff like that. So that's good that you know, you're we, saying that because right now, you know, with this whole independent move, uh, the record labels are getting a very bad name for themselves. But to hear you yeah. as an artist that come on here and a, a legend that's on here that's saying, listen, we was done right. This is what we got. This is what they gave us. They took care of us. Right. And it, it's helping us. It's good to hear somebody else say that because all I hear is the bad story. So all we think it is, no, oh, these labels no, doing no. people dirty. You know what I'm saying? I just got off the phone with a with an R&B legend a few minutes ago. I'm not gonna say his name, and I'm like, dude, man, yo, I I can't tell him the things that 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 they did for us because I don't want him to feel bad because it's it's a totally different situation. You know what I'm saying? It all depends. I'm I'm saying we could have done much better. I'm sure. You know what I'm saying? But um, because if you look at it, if you look at the at the um smoke and mirrors, they say intro is gold. Intro is not gold. Intro is multi-platinum. You know what I'm saying? Right. But on the bottom half, they took care of us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what's up. Now, when y'all did your contracts, is that, that was that something y'all asked for? Or that was just something they automatically did. You know what? When we first signed, when we did our very first deal, we did a deal with Untouchables uh, Production Company, which was EDF. Untouchable Untouchables Records. Untouchables did the deal with Atlantic Records. So on the first album, technically, Intro wasn't signed to Atlantic Records. We were signed to Untouchables, and Untouchables was signed to Atlantic Records. Mm. Speed it up. The success of the first album, Atlantic Records not even knowing what Intro was. What's this hip-hop music? And it is the singing on top of it. Okay, we're going to take a risk. This is almost like a stock. You know what I'm saying? Taking a risk in the stock market. Okay, you're saying it's going to be good in the future. Let's get behind it and see if it's going to be good. It was good. So now Untouchable buys, Atlantic Records buys Untouchables out of their deal and we're signed directly to Atlantic Records. Mm. And now the whole change, good and bad happens. If y'all can feel me, good and bad happens. That first intro record from the second intro record we had that street vibe, and then we had that pop vibe, that pop gospel vibe. A lot of things happened in between there besides us just singing music and being on stage and going on tours. A lot of stuff going on behind the scenes during that, during that second album. And I can't wait until you guys see the documentary. We just finished the documentary with Indiflix Films. Um, shout out to Jason Evans. We get into that? We get into that? Yeah, no, no, I was going to say, tell us when, um, where we would be able to see it when it comes out. It, that's up to Indiflix Films. I'm sure they're going to have purchasers. It could be that person. I don't want to say their name. It could be that person. It could be that person. But I'm sure they're going to license it for a year or two. It's going to be on the major outlets. It's called um, uh, Music Life 
and lyrics, music, love, and lyrics, the story of Jeff, Kenny, and Buddy. Kenny, Jeff, and Buddy, yeah. And, and let me ask- I watched the documentary. No, you can't tell us a little bit, but can you can you give us a little tiny little inside scoop, just a little bit about what's going on in that? Oh, it's it's amazing. I, I he sent me like right now they were on the second director's cut because uh -huh. they sent me the cut to get my input and what they're gonna change and stuff. The very first one that I that I saw, I cried three times. As soon as it came on, I started crying. As soon as it came on, I started crying because of the quality of it, the 4K quality i felt like i was sitting in a movie theater halfway in the middle of it i started crying again and then almost towards the end i started crying and my daughter came downstairs into the studio and she's like dad are you crying she never seen me crying before so i tried to play it off she said you crying i was like no nah, i'm not crying i'm good she's like no you're you're crying what's wrong you're not feeling good i was like i'm happy and she and she's five years old so she's like happy and crying it don't make sense to me because you know she cries when she wants stuff right so it's, it's amazing the documentary is amazing shout out to warner music group they got behind it they licensed all the music in it they're putting a the soundtrack behind it you know okay but um a little so bit a little bit more on the inside of it mm -hmm. we got our 90s friends in there we got mr cheeks from the lost boys all right donnell jones Dope, dope. Big Daddy Kane. Okay. Coco from SWV. Sadat X from Brand Nubian. Of course, Jeff, myself, my dad, Kenny's mom. It's, it's really a good thing. Oh, we got us up. So. More, more legends in the building. That's what I'm talking it's about. Coming soon. It's coming soon. It's coming like, it's coming soon. It's coming before the weather warms up. And did you yep. say the name of that? I don't know if I missed that or not. Yeah, did yeah. you say, what's the name of it again? Can you repeat the name? Um, it's intro, mm -hmm. music, lyrics, and life. Intro, music, lyrics, and life. Okay, all right. So we're going to be looking out yes. for that and make sure everybody, y'all, make sure y'all look out for that too. <clears throat> and I, you'll, they'll be promoting it, obviously, so we can see where we can uh, catch it. For sure. Yeah. Um, now, let me ask you. Being uh -huh. a dope artist uh, in a group with other dope artists, uh, artists and being uh where you uh, had a level of how can i even put it on a whole nother level i should say where your music just really touched the world how was it when you were touring like how was it dealing with the women in the groupies and stuff like that did y'all have any issues it was bananas it, it was, it, was it really wasn't no issues mm -hmm. i wouldn't i wouldn't call it issues i would call it a lot of fun Tell you the truth because i i was in my 20s at the time uh -huh. and um, i was i was just enjoying it I, I was you know for the for the for the most part i was single I, I tried to have a girlfriend but she kept wanting to just get on a tour bus and go and a lot of times it would just be intro and my girlfriend on the bus so i had to shut that down you know what i'm saying like look you could fly out if you want to meet us but i can't i just can't have you on the bus with the fellas because it, it just toned down the whole mood on the bus, you know what I'm saying? But um, for the most part, there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, <clears throat> I started dating us. Before our album came out, I was dating a celebrity chick. So I was I was dating a girl from the, from the music industry. So I kind of knew what I was getting myself into and where I was heading. I was dating Coco from SWV. Oh, I was about so to I was like, I wanted to know who. We want to know who. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Okay. I was dating Coco from SWV, so I knew that once she got off stage, this is like years before our albums came out. I knew once she got off stage, she might have to go to an after party and she might have to do this and she might have to do that. Prior to her doing it, I didn't know that she was doing it. So at first I was like, why you gotta always go to the after party? Right. You know what I'm saying? I was the nagging right. boyfriend. Why you gotta always go to the after party and stuff like that? But then when I got into it and I understood, I mean, there wasn't places, there wasn't too many places that we would go to where we wouldn't get attention from the women. And I'm sure that was from the music because I wasn't getting it before the music. So I didn't let it go to my head. But I, I've been kissed in the, I've been kissed by the finest lips. That's uh -oh. all I can say. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been kissed by the finest lips from from US to Russia, wherever, whatever country. They just love them some intro. Shout out, shout out to them. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now you always hear the stories of women throwing their underwear on the stages and all of that. Did y'all ever have that issue? <laughs> We did London, we did London about 18 to two years ago, and I had a pair of panties hit me in my face. <laughs> Were they clean <laughs> panties though? Because that's the important part. Was they clean? <laughs> yeah. I pulled up, you know, I, I caught it and I pulled it off, right? The funny thing is I caught it, right? And then I was like, oh shoot. And then I was like, I was gonna throw it back out. And I was like, nope. I said, I'm gonna hold it right here so everybody can get a photo out. And see where somebody was throwing their panties on stage with me. So throwing these, and I held them out like that. And then I handed them off to somebody behind the stage. And I, you know, I never went for them because it was it was more panties waiting. Yo, that's crazy. Mavic told me underwear up there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, no, no. Let me tell you, let me tell you something, right? Like mm -hmm. our group came with the stigma that like, Okay, they, 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 like, people started hearing stuff about, about intro, and there's like, well, we know that, you know, shout out to my brother, you know what I'm saying? There's like, we think these dudes might be that, you know what I'm saying? It might be, and, but I can honestly say, I don't know if anybody ever doubted, like, you know, but it, it just, it just wasn't like that. It just wasn't, it just didn't, it just didn't, it just didn't come down my path. And thank God, I always thank God for that blessing that, you know what I'm saying? I ain't never think about going, going that route and stuff like that. I just always love the women. And I think the women always love me. And um, it's just been a great, great experience. You know, no disrespect to nobody else, but it's just always been about the women to me. And um, it's always going to be like that. Been pulling the ladies, y'all. You already know what it is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yo, okay. Um, when no, let me start with this. Now I'll be like all over the place. I want to ask this question, and I'll be thinking about this question, and I'll be hearing there. The group intro was it something like when did that actually start? What year did that group form? Intro started in 1989. When I was in the military oh. at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Okay. At Fort Bragg, North Carolina, I was in the 82nd Airborne Division. I was a, a hardcore paratrooper, had muscles busting out my body in the whole nine. But better than now. I wish I had my body from the 82nd Airborne now. I'd be selling records like tank and all of these things. Oh. <laughs> but um I was I was in the army and I met and I met Kenny. My friend Kenny told me 
I had another friend named Ken Thomas that told me he had a friend named Kenny Green okay. that knew how to sing. And he told me that he told Kenny that I knew how to play the piano. And he thought that the two of us should meet up because he felt that if we met up, we might be able to come up with some good music. So I met Kenny on that Friday. And the first time I met him, we talked for a few minutes, wasn't no piano or nothing around, but we made an arrangement for the next day to go to the recreation center on the adjourning post, which was Pope Air Force Base, where they had a piano, where I would play the piano and let's see what we could come up with. So we went the next day, I sat down at the piano and he started writing songs faster than I've ever heard anybody write a song in my life. And wow. in the back of my head, I was like, that was fun. I never knew that it was gonna keep going and going. It was just fun. So was that, so that- And that's how it started. How did y'all come up with the name? How did y'all come up with the, the name? So, so we, we, we kept doing records, doing records, doing songs, doing songs together. We did, I keep saying it like, it's like a ton of songs. We did like four songs together. Mm -hmm. I had an album from Motown Records. It's called Motown's Greatest Hits. And on the back of my favorite album, which was Motown's Greatest Hits, it said intro, Stevie Wonder, intro, Diana Ross, intro, Smokey Robinson, intro, The Temptations. I'm like, damn, how the hell intro get a chance to work with all of these people? Who the hell is intro that they got a chance to work with all of these people? Yeah. So doing my research, I found out that it wasn't a group named intro. It was just the intro to the song, intro to the song, intro to the song. So that gave me a chance to be my favorite group because intro was my favorite group for at least six months. <laughs> intro was my favorite group for at least six months. And when I found out that there wasn't an intro, we was intro, and then Kenny took the name and said, he said, yo, we're gonna put an acronym onto this. Innovative New Talent Reaching Out. That and I was like, so bang, cool. there it is. Yeah, look at and that. And then the, the crazy thing is, the crazy thing is, from that album right there, which got destroyed during Hurricane Sandy, I'm trying to find it online. If anybody has it, I'll buy it from you. On there said, intro, Stevie Wonder, that happened. That end up happening, you know what I'm saying? From off of that album, where I got the, where I got the name from, it said uh -huh. intro Stevie Wonder, intro Diana Ross. Oh, it happened. Oh, it all hell. Okay. So that's, that's, that's where we got the name from. Yep. Yes, isn't that a blessing? Oh my. Is it a blessing? That is what. Yep. So that yo, I to, to hear that it's like you just brought that to life. You know what I mean? It happens. Yep. That's dope. That's dope. Believe it and you can achieve it. That's what I'm talking about. Um, Yo. What would you say was your most embarrassing moment, if you had any, when you was touring in the industry? New York Symphony Hall. New York New, New Jersey Symphony Hall. Newark Symphony Hall. What happened? I was just so always having fun. Like when we first started going on tour, we started doing the big stages and uh, festivals and the coliseums. That's when they started putting the big screens up in the back. So I used to just come on stage and I would kind of like not pay attention to the crowd because I was so caught up in the moment. I would just look at myself on the big screen and be kicking stuff on the, kicking stuff over on the stage. And at Newark Symphony Hall, I fell into the orchestra pit. You I fell into an open orchestra pit on my back. 
I just disappeared from the stage. Oh to me, that God. was my most embarrassing moment. That was my most embarrassing moment. Not paying attention to the audience, just paying attention to myself and falling off. So did you yeah. get back up and get right back to it? Or was you like, oh man, I'm gonna just do the show from down here. <laughs> How did that work? I got back up. That's what I'm I talking about. I got back up like Johnny Kirkland, Johnny B. Kirkland. We fall down, but we get up. Yeah, I got back up like Johnny B. Kirkland. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. So and I didn't have no pain. I had no pain. All good. I should have been, been done. I should have been wrecked. I got up. I fell <laughs> way down. It was a grand piano down there. With, like, it must have been at least 10 to 15 feet down. I fell straight no. on my back. But my adrenaline, and I missed the piano. I fell straight to the floor. I got up. I had to stand on the piano to get back onto the stage. I got back on the stage, and we just we just finished the show. But I, I don't even think people in the audience know that I was missing. They probably thought I ran off to get a drink of water or something. What? But I could have died. Well, I could have fell the wrong way. You are still here with us, brother. Thank God you're still yeah, here with us. Yeah, because this happened when you fell off the stage before, you know? Yes. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Whew. That's a lot. That's a lot. I know that could be embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, shit, just walking and falling is embarrassing. You could try to play it off when you're doing that, but you know, you falling 15 feet down, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> uh, so what would you say, if that was your most embarrassing uh -huh. moment, what was the mm -hmm. best moment for you? The best moment for me? Oh, I got a couple best. If I, can I get two of them? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. go ahead. Of course, the, the number one was hanging out with Stevie Wonder. Cause that was like a lifelong dream. Nice. Personal best was being in Russia, being in St. Petersburg, Russia, because um, my name is Clinton White, right? My name, my stage name is Buddy White, W-I-K-E, like a bike. Everybody thinks, a lot of people think it's Buddy White, but it's, it's like oh. a bike, W-I-K-E. It's this weird German name, White. Shout oh. out to the White family. We do our family Zooms every Sunday. Um, When we went to Russia, um, Clinton White was on the paperwork, but at the time, President Clinton, Clinton was the president at the time. So when we got to Russia, they all they saw was the Clinton name. So they provided us with like State Department security because they thought it was one of the Clintons that was coming into town. So intro, we had the, everywhere we went around Russia, we had the police escorts with the lights and the, whatever they versions of the Secret Service was. And then when we got to the show, it was 350,000 people there. Um, we performed with Stuntman and uh, the 69 Boys. 69 Boys had the record out, uh, Tootsie Roll, and um, Stuntman had a record out. I like to move it. I like to move it, move it. So as far as being a performer, that was my most memorable experience. As far as being a songwriter, producer, and artist, Hanging out with Stevie Wonder was my most memorable. Excuse me for being so long-winded. No, 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 no. no, no. Y'all took, took me back. I had to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we want to know those things. You know what I mean? We're fans of yours, so we like to know. So um, it's, it's, it's okay, brother. Talk on. Um, oh. Let's see. When now, and I'm going to say to you, you know, it's, it's cool actually interviewing somebody who I have their music in my playlist, you know? Absolutely. And we turning up with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what it is. I, I know I'm in your playlist, but have you? 
I know I'm in your playlist, brother, but have you, you know what I'm saying, have you? What? what? Have, you what? have you tried to wreck us out? Have you tried to wreck us out? <laughs> have you tried them out? We got kids. <laughs> have you tried them out? You tried them out? They work. They work. All right, uh, well, we know we got kids before and after. <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> I love your I love your whole vibe though. Yeah, yeah. You mad chill down there. <laughs> Thank you though. Thank you. Y'all, y'all amazing. I'm just so happy to be here. Let me tell you. To have you here. Yeah. Sure. Um when when did you know that this is what I want to do? And is there a specific artist that inspired you? Um eight years old, playing the piano at church following my dad who was playing the organ. They had an organ player and a piano player the entire time. On a particular Sunday, the piano player decides he doesn't want to show up. My dad's on the organ. So I sat down at the piano and I start playing accompanying my dad, even though I was playing with a few fingers. That Tuesday night, a deacon walked up to me with a yellow envelope with $20 in it. And he handed it to me for playing the piano on Sunday. And from that point on, I was like, I could get paid for doing music? It's on and popping. That's what like, I'm I love music. I love music. But he inspired me with that yellow envelope. And those yellow envelopes continued from the time I was like eight years old up until the time I was 18 years old. And the numbers just got bigger. It went from $20 to ultimately like $240 a week. Like in high school, that to me, that was a big deal. I could buy my own sneakers. I could buy my own coat. But at the same time, I love music. And... um but it was definitely the church inspired me to do music on a professional level. Think about it. Every Sunday, you got an audience there. You know, you got your audience there. Somebody's going to show up to the show every Sunday. You don't got to sell no tickets, you know. So um, shout out to Grace Baptist Church in Brooklyn, New York. Um, okay. J. Rudy Damager, the rapper J. Rudy Damager. Yeah. That's my dude at church. He's like one of my best friends at church. And we had a rap group while we were at church. He's like my little brother. Mm-hmm. So um, I knew since I was like eight years old that I wanted to do music professionally. Nice. Did, well, was, early. was there ever a time that you felt like, oh, I don't want to do this no more? Well, from, from, from eight to 18, I was a church musician. From 18 to like 23, I was just straight army. I didn't touch a piano, anything until... I ran back into Kenny Green, who brought me back into music with his voice. So there was a period where I just thought my music, that was that was what I was supposed to do at the time. Now I'm gonna be a, a guy in the army for the next 20 years and, wow. you know, yeah. Okay, so. Wow, wow, okay. So um, that, that one that one encounter with, with, with Kenny Green changed your life, you know? <laughs> In a sense. Yeah. When I heard his voice, he sounded like Layla Hathaway to me. And I was like, what? You sound like my favorite, my favorite artist, Layla Hathaway. And I, and I knew nobody had ever heard anybody that sounded like Kenny. I knew it. I was like, dude, your voice is amazing. And we just started doing these records and we just, we did, we did records that weren't even R&B records. We started off as a rap group. We would call a bum rush posse. Then we signed to a house music label and we became a house music group. We released two records, three records underneath this label called Classified. The records are Under Your Spell, Good Love, and Love Is Here, which I produced. And then 
we go on to modern day intro with Eddie F and uh, Untouchables. So, um, but honestly, as musicians, whatever opportunity would have presented themselves to us, we were gonna take advantage of it. If a country music label would have came to us and presented us with a deal, might have been like, no doubt about it. We got a good thing going on. No doubt about it. We got a, you know what I'm saying? We was gonna take advantage. We were gonna take advantage of whatever opportunity presented itself. We, we had the talent. We just needed the vehicle. I always said this. I always used to tell Kenyans, I was like, yo, man, we got it. I'm telling you, I'm saying, we, 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 we got what it takes. We just need somebody to notify the world. And that's what Atlantic Records did for us. That's we were always, we was always intro. We just needed somebody to notify the world. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. People out there sign with Atlantic Records. They look like they taking good care of people out here. You know what I'm saying? Nah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not just gonna say that. I'm not, I'm not gonna, nah, I can't shop them like that. I can speak about our personal experience. I know Brandy was there at the time. Um, Rue Boys, Levert. Um, now everybody's there. Trey Songs is there. Check out the Atlantic roster. They got they got Bruno Mars. Mm -hmm. Like all of the big people are there right now. Bad Boys on there. Yeah. But I think we were like that first group to bring that R&B hip hop to Atlantic. And um, shout out to Craig Calman and all those people over there. Um, send me a check. I'm home. <laughs> that's right let them know right now every time you get give me my money it's my money and i want it now listen what would you say <laughs> what would you say what do you feel change um in the music industry back then to now oh from then to now yeah. well back then we had to pay like two three hundred dollars for these tapes to put on the reel and to record our music on Okay. So we made sure that only our hottest songs made it to the tape. Nowadays, all you need is a laptop or a computer. So you can just take it, you can take more chances of, so what you're hearing nowadays in music are, what you're hearing now in music mm -hmm. is a lot of the chances. It's not the, what we think is our hit. We just putting everything out and if they grab it, they grab it. It's like, instead of having a, 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 say a pond with a bunch of big fishes in it. Now you got like an ocean with a lot of little fishes in it and a few big fishes. And you got to go through all those little fishes and everything to find that big fish because it's so much easier to create. I go from calling it um, like oven music to microwave music. Mm. Because the music that we made back then, we had to make it in the oven. It took hours to cook. Nowadays, you got music that's just going in the microwave. You putting it on 30 seconds. You putting it out. You just throwing it out there. You're like, I'm dropping a record. You dropping a record, but you dropping it because ain't no nobody knows it's coming. You dropping it. That's exactly what you're doing. And it's not about the the style of the music, the nothing. Like I think music is music. I love all types of music. I love the older guys from James Ingram to the new guys, Bryson Tiller and all of these cats. I love it all. But there's there has to be a plan on releasing your music. You still have to notify people that the music is coming out. 
I know people have a short extension span, but there still has to be a buildup. It's like court. It's like it's like courting a girl. Hey, let's go out to dinner. You know what I'm saying? Let's go. I want to take you out to dinner. You ain't giving it to her yet. You taking out to dinner. You take out to dinner. Yo, I want to come by. Blah blah blah. This is the whole time you're saying that the record is coming, but they don't know. And then when the record is coming, bam. Right, right. Okay, so that's like you know, you know, that's right. You know, you actually right. in the in, you know, this music industry is very oversaturated, and it is hard to find that big fish in the ocean because there's so many little yeah, a lot of music out there. Oh. I think it's like I don't know how many thousands of songs a day released. Yeah. What advice would you give to uh artists out here now, rather they're independent or, you know, want to get signed to a label, what would you tell them? As a far, um, the advice that I would give to artists today, as opposed to going independent or going to a major, it all starts with the song. Spend time on the song. Spend time on the song. Focus on building your fan base organically. One person at a time. Do not Base your success on the next artist that put his record out on the same day as yours and it went platinum or gold because you don't know the machine behind them. Your talent could be even stronger or you might have a better record than them, but they have a stronger machine than you do. Focus on one fan at a time, grow your fan base organically, and, and that's it. Just get, don't don't try to sound like nobody. Don't try to catch up to nobody. And and I think that's that's the best advice that I could give. And no matter how long it takes, like um, I first on the intro album, I think like I hear artists say like, oh, I'm 20 years old. I'm I think I'm too old right now. I think on the first album, I think I was like 25 years old. And even then, I didn't even think I was old enough to have a record out because I didn't. I wasn't even responsible. I was bringing home like ten thousand dollars a week and didn't even know what to do with it. Wow. You know, and I was like, you know, I think the the older you are as an artist, and I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Finish your finish your thing first. I'm saying the older you are as an artist, and you know what you want in life, and you have your businesses in place and stuff like that. Just focus on that. Don't put no timeline on your age. I'm too young to do it. I'm too old to do it. Nah, man. Just just focus on you, what you want to do, and the most important thing is gain your fan base organically one fan at a time do not go on to these sites that say we can get you 20,000 Spotify hits for this amount of money because you're going to pay that money and Spotify is smart they've been around they're going to see that come back and you're still not going to get credited for it you're going to give those people your money and you're not going to get the credit for it so yeah. just focus organically man one time if you got a show and it's only 50 people there it's 50 people there that's that's a yeah. fact. Fifty people that want to see you, exactly. Exactly. I've been trying to tell people. They and like, the next time they come back, it's gonna be a hundred people there. Yeah. If you do your thing and it's only fifty yeah. people there, the next time you come back, it's gonna be a hundred people there. Absolutely. Now, listen. You said that you was young and you was getting that money. What at your age, getting that type of money? What was you doing with with that? What were you doing with the money? I brought, the first the first thing I did was the first thing I knew I was going to do is I brought my mother a house. Nice. And she could have lived anywhere. She could have she could have lived anywhere she wanted. So I was like, Mom, I'm gonna buy your house. Where do you want to live? She said, I want to live next door to my mother. And so happened the house next door to my mother was occupied, but I was able to speak to the owners and they sold me the house next door to my grandmother. 
and they moved and my mom moved into the house, which was right next door to her mother. And from that point on, I felt like if I never make another penny in the music industry, my, my mission is complete. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful. Shout out to you for that. Taking care of moms first, that's what I'm talking about. That is yeah. important. Rest in peace. She was at the gold. She was at the. She was up at Atlantic Records with me when they handed us our gold albums. You know, she was basically my my best friend. And there's a lot of people in Brooklyn that know my mother. You know, my mom was a Brooklyn legend. You know, I don't I don't really go into it and stuff like that. But um, people like Jay Z and my mom's like Marcy Project. She was a, she was a she was like I I come from opposites. My dad's a Baptist minister, but uh-huh. my mom was a street person. My mom was a street person. She was a hustler. There's a lot of people out there in Marcy Projects that know my mom and stuff like that. You knew how she got down. And that's that's the middle of me. That's my humility. And that's my street. You know, I I, I, I got to write a book. I got to write a book. Write it. Write yeah. it. Write it. Addie Walls. Addie, my mom is Addie Walls. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait. Say that again. My, my mom's name was Addie Walls. If you're from Marcy Projects and you hustled back in the days, you probably know who my mom was because you probably bought your drugs from her. Oh, God, no. He said, Mom, you Period. Period. Oh, but then on the other hand, my father was a Baptist minister. On the other hand, my father was a Baptist minister. So I was like, This. Which way, which way you going? Which way you, which, way you, which way you going? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's a fact. I, w- I wouldn't speak bad on her name, but you know her. Her. This is a part of her testimony. That's not how she ended her life. Right. But yeah, back in the days, my mom. My mom was a big deal in Brooklyn, or, or in that game right there. She's a big, big deal. About yep. That's what I'm talking. And I, about. I used to be right out there with her sometimes, and protecting us. See people run up on her and have to fight them off, or we get got to get away. And you know. Wow. Wow, that's deep. It's life. Deep. Yeah. It yeah. made me though. It made me. How did you go from looking coming soon, Buddy White? How did how did you end up going to the Buddy army? White, for the world. How did, say it again? How did you end up Sorry. going into the army? What made you decide to do oh, that? You know, I went <clears throat> I went to the army because I was in um in high school. I was I was playing baseball. Actually, I wanted to be a major league baseball player. And um had a couple cats around me, and we had kind of like been building ourselves up to play major league baseball. This is our this was our life. All we did was eat and sleep baseball since junior high school, going into high school. I felt my 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 stature was too small to be a major league baseball player because my father never took me to baseball games. And every time I saw a baseball player, it was on television and they looked like a giant to me. I had I didn't know that they was the same size as me or smaller. So while I was in baseball practice, one day, the army recruiters came out of the high school gym door and they was like, yo, what are you doing after high school? And I was like, I don't know. It's like, can we talk to you? I was like, yeah, they came out on the baseball field and they started talking to me about taking an army test. And I was like, okay, yeah, why not? So I went and took the test and they just followed up, followed up, followed up on me. And I was in high school. I was a high school senior already signed into the military. I told my mother and everybody, but they didn't believe me until they came to pick me up that day. Ooh. But the, the crazy the crazy thing is, I thought that I was too small to be a baseball player until I 
I started meeting Major League Baseball players and finding out that it, that they were my size. It wasn't like football players or basketball players. Like you could be my size and be a baseball player. So my friends, my friends, my dudes that I grew up with, if we was coming up to do the same thing, there's like, yo, where you at? I was like, yo, I joined the army. It's like, oh man, why you do that? I got drafted by the Mets, but I'm not taking that deal. I'm gonna go to the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm going to the Brewers. I'm out in Florida right now. I'm like, oh shit, then I'm getting a call from my next dude. Like, yo, where you at? I said, yo, I'm in the army. I mean, I'm down in, I'm down in Fort, I'm down in basic training at Fort Jackson. Oh man, I'm going out to the Seattle Mariners. They just signed me. They just signed me. I got, I just got a major league baseball deal. And I'm like, oh shit. So had I did, had I not gone to the military, I think I probably would have played baseball. But I, had I played baseball, I would have not been an R&B singer. And this is what I love the most. I love the music. This is where it's at. Absolutely. So um, everything happens for a reason. It does. Absolutely. So that's, that's why I joined the Army right there. That's why I joined the Army, because I didn't feel like I would have advanced in baseball. I knew I didn't want to go to college because I had a younger sister who's a year behind me that needed the money from the family to go to college, which she did go to college and graduated. So, you know, yeah. Okay. That's what's All up. Right. And you so, made big brother moves. You made a big, big brother thought, you know? Absolutely. I had to, yeah. Are you working on any new projects? Anything coming out now? I know the documentary is coming. Is there any new projects as far as music or albums or singles that's coming out? Okay. Along with the project, Warner Music Group, Rhino Records, they're releasing the soundtrack to the documentary. Okay. Which is going to have some amazing mu music on it. Possibly including four brand new unreleased songs. Oh, nice. Then nice. in June, during Black Music Month, they're going to release an entire new intro album, which will include remixes from the first, second album, then unreleased music from the vault at Warner Music Group. Um, uh, currently, I'm working with some new artists. I, I know y'all up on Clubhouse. I've met some new artists on Clubhouse. That that I've been sending music out to, and they've been vocaling it up and sending it to me. So that's up to them, whatever they want to do with that. Um, since the break of music, um, John Legend, he sent his mom to my crib for like two weeks. I worked with her on a gospel album because my my roots are in gospel music. So I produced the gospel music for Steve for um for Phyllis. Um, what else? What else? What else? Um, that's it. Building up the catalog and just working on the home studio here, which is a little, little peep of it right here. I don't know if I can spin it around and stuff, but this, this is where I do my little music stuff at in here. Okay, good. Okay, I see it. I see the plaques on the wall too. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, those are just toys. Those those is just toys. You know, I don't do it for that, but they came. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> that's what's up. Um. Yeah. They just they came in the mail. Listen, you got it. You know what I'm saying? That's the that's the most important part. You got it. So shout out to you for that. Listen, um, if how like who do you produce for or write for? If somebody wanted you to produce or write for them, would they have to be connected to somebody else? Um, how does that work? Oh, nope. they don't have to be connected to anybody. Mm -hmm. I would want to listen to something from them if they could email me a track. Or, or if they can send me their IG link and I can listen to it. And let me tell you, people have done that. Mm -hmm. And I honestly wasn't impressed, but I would still send them a track anyway, because maybe the track could elevate them. Like okay. uh, basically, if I have the time, I'll work with anybody. 
Like right now it's really busy because we've just winding down the documentary and getting it done. Uh -huh. But in the last couple of days, people have sent me like their Instagrams and stuff and I've sent them tracks. And surprisingly, I've gotten emails back with phenomenal, phenomenal records. I don't know what their management team or their record companies will do with them. But as a producer, I, I don't, I barely turn down any type of opportunity to work with any artist because I mean, I remember how it was as an artist and trying to get a producer to work with us. And, you know, and I just don't turn down any opportunities as far as producing, writing or performing. I remember Biz Markie told me he never turns down opportunities for performing. He said he even performed at a midget convention one time. Wow. So. <laughs> hey, listen, people. <laughs> yeah, he said, don't turn down no opportunities. He said he performed at a midget convention. <laughs> They turn up too. So, yeah, I'm open for I'm open for everything, pretty much. Yeah. If someone wanted to reach you, give your plugs in your clubhouse and all that, because clubhouse is popping right now. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty much the same thing, same thing everywhere. Buddy White or Buddy White music. The confusing thing is that people think my name is Buddy White, like the color, but it's W I K E. Buddy White. And um. W I K E. Got you. Got you. And, and that's on that's Instagram. You gonna, if you Google me, you're going to see some good and some bad because I've been in the newspapers because, like I said, you know, right. Miss Addie didn't Why? raise no food. <laughs> Why was you in the paper? <laughs> <laughs> what you do, man? You can Google me. You can Google me. <laughs> you, can, you, can Google me. <laughs> you ain't going to tell us, Sammy. Yeah, yeah, find out for yourself. I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm staying alive like the Bee Gees. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so is there yeah. anything that we didn't ask you that you want the people to know um i just want the people to know um rest in peace to kenny green he was one of the most pro prolific singers and songwriters of our era keep him keep him and his family in your prayers keep his legacy alive had it not been for Kenny Green, I doubt if I would be involved in rhythm and blues music. I might have been a, a, a rapper or a rhythm and blues producer and stuff, but I would not have been a member of Intro. I, you would not, I would not be doing this interview right now with, with my friends right here. So um, pretty much that's it. Yeah. All right. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Absolutely. So any uh, shout outs you want to give before we end the show? Oh yeah, do a shout out to the whole intro team, Sonya France and um Jason Evans, 360 Films, um, Michelle Bunch, um, working along with um the documentary, uh my family, friends, and you guys for allowing me to be on your platform. Appreciate y'all. Thank you so Thank much, you. buddy. We are so happy that we had you on the show. You are thank super dope. I love your whole energy and your vibe is just super. Oh, thank super dope, you though, for real. So it's it's very inviting. You know what I mean. Yeah. So not everybody <laughs> has that. So you know, thank you for That's being. Cool. Thank you. For I got a dope UK team too. I got a dope UK team too. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. I got the UK. I got a dope UK team too. <laughs> but um. But listen, That's, thank you for your contribution yeah. to, to the culture of thank music. Y'all put out some great music and we still rock into it right now. And uh, we really appreciate everything that y'all have given us, the fans, the people who love appreciate what y'all do. So keep doing what you do. Um, if you don't have any any final words. I just appreciate y'all because this I, I'm doing it because of y'all. 
if it wasn't for y'all, I'd just be doing it right here and nobody would ever hear about it. I do this right here, then, then go upstairs, have dinner and call it a night. So I appreciate you for allowing me to be on your platform. Yeah, we Shout out to Coach Chattel and Jigs and, and all these people all, all over the world that, that promote intro. Yes, yes, absolutely. All right, big shout out to Doug Oliver. Y'all seen it here. Doug Oliver. Yes, absolutely. Um, this is from the Ground Up Productions. It's your girl, Lady Miz, my co-host, Ray. And y'all see we tuned in with Buddy from Intro. Make sure y'all go check him out. Go to all his social medias. Look out for that documentary coming soon. And look out for the Not new song that they got. It was a pleasure having you on the show, brother. And we will talk to Thank you me. soon, all right? Awesome, awesome, y'all. Later. Peace. All right. From the Ground Up Productions is introducing our new segment, Tea of the Week. Welcome from the Ground Up, getting that Tea of the Week with Boss Lady. If you got it, sip it. All right, this is a perfect day for some tea. What we have going on today, we have Texas. We know what's going on in Texas with the storm, the freezing, the water outages and the power outages. And our hearts go out to everyone out there. But let's please not forget about the prisoners that are locked up out there. They have hardly no food to eat. The prison staff is not coming into work. They are overwhelmed. So please reach out. Let's check up on our prisoners. They're in there hungry and they're in there freezing to death. Go online, you can Google it and see the pictures of what's going on there. Second, let's talk about Malcolm. I don't know if any of you have heard this come out today about Malcolm X, that he was assassinated and evidence has come out by the NYPD, CIA, FBI. You can Google it and find out what's going on there and that we need answers as to why the media is not covering this event. Why are they not covering that the truth and evidence has come out about Malcolm X assassination? We need to make some phone calls and see what's going on there. Next, let's talk about Gorilla Glue Girl. Y'all know, Gorilla Glue Girl, right? The girl who can't read the can and spread it on her head. So they, everybody sent her, not me, but a whole lot of people sent her $20,000 she got in that GoFundMe account for her hair. So supposedly they froze the accounts probably after she tried to withdraw it and they said no. They froze her accounts, come to find out from news and evidence that came out yesterday, everyone had been returned their money. Okay? So I'm just saying they probably froze her accounts after she hired a full-time publicist. Hello. I'm gonna leave you with that right there. Next, let's talk about, we have a studio that is in Poughkeepsie, New York, 29 North Hamilton uh, Road in Poughkeepsie. Wonderful. They have a studio there where you can take your kids. They can learn how to make beats, learn how to mix. They learn about the studio. It's a wonderful experience for the kids. And this corona going on, call them, make appointments, take your kids down there. 
Get him out the house. Let him go learn something about some music. You never know. And they also have other programs there for the young ones. So call them, reach out and see what, what can happen. And I don't think it's only for Poughkeepsie residents. It's for anyone who can get there. Next, let's talk about it, y'all. Party Fontaine, Paradise Fontaine, and Megan the Stallion are now officially a couple. Boom, boom, boom. You know, went all out for the Valentine's. He said, I've been in her inbox, you know, sending her stuff in her inbox, and she finally noticed him. And now they are officially a couple. So that's awesome. Congratulations, y'all. Next on some sad news. Maybe you youngins don't know, you know, remember him, you know. But Prince Marky D of the Fat Boys, he was a founding member of the Fat Boys. He died at 52, the day before his birthday. He passed away. We're so sorry for that. Come to find out he did have some heart um, problems, which is probably what happened. But we send our condolences out to them. I love their movie, The Disorderlies. If you don't know what that is, go Google it and look at it on the YouTube. Disorderlies, too funny. And, you know, they were just fun back in the day. I love me some fat boy. <laughs> don't make me start to be boxing, y'all. And finally, we want to give everybody great big day shout outs. If it's your born day all over the world, happy born day. You made it. Continue to be blessed. From the Ground Up Productions, this is Boss Lady. We'll see you next week with more Tea of the Week. From the Ground Up. From the Ground Up. There's only one way to go from here.